As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Episode 5 of the Haunted Visions podcast. We are dedicated to stories of paranormal, spine-chilling history, and adventures into the darkness of the unknown. So grab a flashlight, lock your doors, curl up under your blankets, and prepare to be scared. Hi everyone, and welcome to the Haunted Visions podcast. My name's Brandy, and with me as always is my partner, Rachel. Hello everybody. And we are here today, we're doing an um, Urban Legends block. Um, so we've got a couple more urban legends that we're going to do for you. Um, so we'll get into that in just a second. Rachel, you doing okay? You having a good weekend? Yeah, my mom got married at the Renaissance Festival of all places. Well, you can't <laughs> you can't beat that with a stick. And it looked beautiful. <laughs> no. Like it was really cool. They were all in period garb. Period and gob. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of cool. It was really neat. I got a giant turkey leg, so I was pretty satisfied. <laughs> yeah, I've heard they sell those there. They're delicious. Anyway, how are you yeah. doing? I have the consumption. You have the consumption. I do. I have the consumption, so I'm <laughs> treating it with hot toddies and you you know, muscle relaxers. So, Fun yeah. fact, my dad, um, when I was 15, I had a really bad fever. It was like 102 to the point where I probably should have gone to the hospital, mm-hmm. realistically. But my dad is a dad, so instead he made me a hot toddy, and my parents are divorced. So when my mom find out, you know, found out, it broke my fever, by the way, well. um, but... Well, my mom found out she about killed him. <laughs> well, sure. Sure. Uh, fun well, times. Yeah, good times. <laughs> Nothing like a little booze to help a kid get over a fever. Right. So um, the first thing we're going to talk about is the urban legend of the black-eyed children. And Rachel, I don't know that much about this one, so I'm going to have you tell me all about it. All right. Let's dig into it. So this one, I chose this urban legend just because... It's really freaky, and I don't know if a few of you listen to other podcasts. Some have touched on it, um, such as um, Jim Harold's. I'm not plugging or anything, but Jim Harold's Paranormal Podcast. He's had quite a few people and interviewed people about it, and it's just really freaky. So um, here we go. So they appear in the darkest recesses of your worst nightmares. They come knocking on doors, tapping on windows, and asking to for you to let them inside your car or home. Nope. at first they seem completely harmless but then you notice their eyes are jet black you stare back at them looking for some sign of human emotion but there's nothing just lifeless nothing reflected in those terrible eyes chills run down your spine and your hair stands on end let us in they beckon menacingly primal fear takes over you and you slam the door and run away 
you have just experienced a real-life encounter with the haunting urban legend of the black-eyed children. I don't let any kids in my house that I don't know. That's crazy. No. no. I remember when I was little, my mom wouldn't let any kids in. She'd be like, you guys stay on the porch. You stay on the porch. I'll bring out crazy. your Kool-Aid. You stay on the porch. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so reports of um, encounters with black-eyed children date back decades, actually. So there have been artifacts of humanoid figures with black eyes and usually carved out of obsidian that have been discovered in archaeological digs. So whether the legend and the ancient artifacts are connected to any is anyone's guess, but it does raise an eyebrow or two, I would say. Mm -hmm. And there are usually several types of ways that the black eyed children present themselves. So the first one is, you know, a person's in their car or heading to their car. Say you get out of the movies really late or something mm -hmm. and you get in your car, you're minding your own business. It's really late at night. And after they climb into the car, a child aged anywhere from five to 15 will approach the car and knock on the window. So at first, you know, anyone would be kind of startled looking out and seeing someone outside, you know, they're, when they were completely alone, all of a sudden someone's knocking on their door. But, you know, it, me being a woman, I don't know if anyone else would be this way, but if I see a kid outside, I'm going to be more worried about why is this little kid by themselves versus why are, you know, freaked out that they're knocking on my window. Nope, so. I'm freaked out that they're knocking on my window. <laughs> Uh, but typically, another one or two children will appear behind that child who initially makes contact. It's like they pop up like children of the corn or something. Exactly. It's children <laughs> of the corn. Nope. Nope. Yep. Nope. <laughs> so then the children will say that they are scared and alone or even lost. And um, they'll ask for you to let them in and give them a ride somewhere. The driver will then notice that the children have eyes as black as night and they appear lifeless. And... Usually the children are described as pale, menacing in nature. They speak with dull, monotone voices. They just don't seem to have any emotion. So that would be the first sign to me if I didn't see their eyes. That would freak me the hell out. Mm -mm. Um, mm. The driver will be shaken to the core with fear as the children become more and more persistent. They're going to keep asking the driver, let me in, let us in. We're just kids. Just please let us in. You know, we we're lost or we need help. Da, 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 da. So in most reports, the driver will flee the scene due to their uncontrollable gut feeling that the kids are the embodiment of evil. Yeah. Well, that goes for most kids. But <laughs> yeah, when they start popping up like one of those gopher games, I'm out. I don't care. That's They're a not little being weird. in front of my car. Right. <laughs> uh, does anybody ever let them in? So here, funny that you should ask that. So I kept doing research. You know, that's the beauty of an urban legend. Like, has it really happened? Can I find an article? I haven't been able to find anything that suggests someone actually let these kids into their car or homes. But here's where the spooky part comes. Would they have even lived to tell the tale if they did let them inside? I don't know. I don't know. Well, security so, cameras. There's security cameras everywhere. True. true. So, Very true. But I, I don't know. I couldn't find anything about it. And believe me, I was determined because I wanted to hear about that shit. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted, I'm like, oh, what happened? Um, you know, opening Pandora's box, all well, kinds because, of bad stuff. You know, there are people that are dumb that yeah. will let these creepy kids in. Oh, you went inside and you have all yeah, black eyes? Sure, come on in. Let's have some tea. Yeah. Mm. Um, okay. So the other scenario is usually set late at night while someone is home and settling in for the evening. So um, in all my research, I found there'll be knocks on the front windows or at the front door. And there's usually one to three young children or young teenagers. Now, I might feel bad. If I saw a young kid outside and it's like maybe pouring down rain or it's late at night or something's going on, but I would be, you know, I would, I would not care about teenagers. I know that makes me sound like a heartless woman, but teenagers just, it's commonly known. They're up, usually up to no good if it's really, really late at night and they're knocking right. on your door. 
I don't but, know what you're talking about. I never was. <laughs> right? I was reading to blind nuns. To blind nuns, huh? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. That's what I did. Sounds suspicious. Well. <laughs> um, so usually um, the kids will immediately stare up at the homeowner if they open their door with their cold, dead eyes. That reminds me of Jaws. He's got cold, dead eyes. <laughs> Again, they will claim that they are lost and that their parents have abandoned them or some... They'll get creative and find some way to try to get you in, you know, let the, let you get them in the house. Um, and as fear and awful sinking feelings will consume the poor soul who answered the door, the kids will become increasingly aggressive and keep asking, let us in. We cannot come in unless you invite us in. Let us in now. And that's the truth. They're like vampires. That's exactly what I was thinking when I was reading about all these stories, you know, vampires. It's, it's just historically known. If you, you know, go back and Everybody read folklore. Yeah. You've got to invite them in or they can't come in. Yep. So, but just like how you, you know, mess with Ouija boards, they say that's opening an invitation for a demon or something else or some right. creepiness. So it kind of makes you wonder, is it demonic too, maybe? You know? So, but maybe. in each, you know, in each scenario after a lone driver um, or unlucky homeowner either takes off or slams the door in the faces of the children, the kids disappear literally like that. Yeah, okay. It's crazy. Um, and so, for example, like if a driver turns around, looks in the rearview mirror as they're peeling out, right. the kids are gone. The kids are gone. And where would they have gone, you know? Or, you know, homeowner's like, oh, I feel bad. Five minutes later, opens the door. They walk around their house. They look everywhere. Those kids are gone. So, and there are, um, and homeowners would report that after shutting their doors and running away to hide in another room, they don't hear any more knocking. They don't hear anything after they reject the kids. They don't hear. Because they go on to find squat. somebody else. Right. Some other poor soul so and other encounters of the black-eyed children take place all over the world it's not just in one place Um, some of these accounts are of young children playing outside and then suddenly being approached by these scary little demonic things and the black-eyed children will threaten the kids and tell them that they must take them to their home and it's not clear why these black-eyed children want to be taken to the homes of normal children but some journalists and researchers suggest that it's so they can go back to the house and harm or murder the rest of the family members because you'd think if it's just one person they were after which it seems like in the tales of the you know Mm. people answering their door or getting knocked on the driver's side window that it's targeting just one person but if they see another kid and they're like take me back to your house obviously they have that kid vulnerable right then right there why wouldn't they just harm them if that's what they were after dude my kid would totally bring somebody back to the house (laughs) You're like, sure, come on. Let's you want to play Five Nights at Freddy's? Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what. Hey, mom, let me in. Yeah. Uh, um, it's my new friend. We're right. best friends. Um, and so some even believe that these black eyed children are either demons taking on the form of harmless kids or even aliens, aliens, oh. impersonating kids and other in order to abduct or harm the humans that they stalk. Hmm. Um, but both the demon and alien theories perhaps explain why these encounters are typically reported to occur under the camouflage of night. I see. That makes sense, right? I don't, kind I, of. Well, you never hear about alien abductions during the day. No. So although other sightings have been passed along for decades, the main sighting that ignited the rapid fire of reports was the story of Brian Bethel. And in 1996, in Abilene, Texas, Brian took to the internet and blogged us about his experience. And I want to preface this by saying he was a writer, mm-hmm. and um, he was one of the first original bloggers back in the 90s when blogging became cool. Yeah. 
So, you know, things spread like wildfire over the internet when someone posts something like that. But he knew what he was doing when he was writing. So a lot of people actually speculate that he was full of it. But I don't know. From what I've researched, friends and family members said that this guy wasn't really a liar and had his wits about him and wouldn't usually want to risk his writing career to post something or his like reputation. this. Sure. Exactly. So there's two flips of the coin, you know. Mm. So this um, is an excerpt from what he wrote, or this is what he wrote? Yes. I'm going to read. Um, this is exactly what he wrote. This was his full letter. And he actually sent this in an email to a few people that he knew and a few of his colleagues and said, what do you think about what happened to me? And sent it. And then other people started sharing it. And it just became like one of those chain things that people would pass on to you so that you wouldn't let black-eyed kids in your car or right, in right. your home, things like that. Um, so he says... I had gone down to the former site of Camelot Communications, one of the area's original internet providers, to pay my bill. At the time, Camelot was near the movie theater. I was using the light of the theater's marquee to write out my check, which I planned to put in Camelot's night drop slot. Involved in my work, I never heard them approach. There was a knock on my driver's side window. Two young boys, somewhere between 9 to 12 years old, and dressed in hooded pullovers, stood outside. I cracked the window a bit anticipating a spiel for money, but I was immediately gripped by an incomprehensible, soul-wracking fear, and I had no idea why. A conversation ensued between one boy, a somewhat suave, olive-skinned, curly-headed young man, and myself. The other, a red-headed, pale-skinned, freckled young man, stayed in the background. You never let those kids in anywhere. <laughs> gingers? Yeah. <laughs> Aww, I have gingers They will steal family. your soul. Well, that's debatable, I guess. Good old mm-hmm. South Park made that famous, didn't they? Well, not. And it's, <laughs> it's been, that's been true since Children of the Corn and <laughs> probably before that. But go ahead. Right. Um, the spokesman, as I've come to think of him, told me that he and his companion needed a ride. They wanted to see a movie, Mortal Kombat, but they left their money at their mother's house. And could I give them a ride? Plausible enough. But all throughout this exchange, the irrational fear continued and grew. I had no reason to be frightened of these two boys, but I was. Terribly. After a bit more conversation, I looked up at the theater marquee and down at the digital clock display in my car. Mortal Kombat's last show of the night had already started. By the time I could have driven the boys anywhere and back, it would have practically been over. All the while, the spokesman uttered assurances. It won't take long. They're just two little kids. They didn't have a gun or anything. The last part was a bit unnerving. And first of all, just just to interject here, if someone said, oh, it's not like we've got a gun or anything, immediately. You have a gun. Exactly. Immediately you're going to think they have a gun, you crazies. So, yeah, not, not cool. The last part was a bit unnerving. In the short time I had broken the gaze of the spokesman, something had changed and my mind exploded in a vortex of all-consuming terror. Both boys stared at me with cold black eyes, soulless orbs like two great swaths of starless night. See, there's some writing. You can tell he's yep, a writer. Sure. He's, yeah. Writes like Timmy. Yes. <laughs> Telling a great story. I full on freaked out inside while trying to appear completely sane and calm. I made whatever excuses came to mind, all of them designed to get me the hell out of there. I wrapped my hand around the gear shift, threw the car into reverse, and I began to roll up the window. And I was apologizing all the while. My fear must have been evident. The boy in the back wore a look of confusion. The spokesman banged sharply on the window as I rolled it up. His words, full of anger, echo in my mind even today. We can't come in unless you tell us it's okay, so let us in. 
I drove out of the parking lot in blind fear, and I'm surprised I didn't sideswipe a car or two along the way. I stole a look in the rearview mirror before peeling out into the night. The boys were gone. Even if they had run, I don't believe there was any place they could have hidden from view that quickly. So mm. there's Brian Bethel's story. That's that's freaky deaky. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> so, and Brian claims to have experienced the first true encounter with the black-eyed children, but another story from the 1970s proves otherwise. And so there is an investigative journalist and UFO enthusiast by the name of I forgive me if he listens to this ever and I pronounce Brian it wrong. Brian Sprague? Yes. Okay. I I thank God that you can pronounce that because I couldn't. <laughs> but he shared an encounter um, written about by author David Weatherly. So Ryan sat down with David Weatherly and was interviewing him. And this is what David told him. And this, I believe he, it was also a small excerpt from Weatherly's book as okay. well. So he said, one of the most stunning accounts Weatherly came across dated all the way back to 1974 in Picardy, a region of France. According to an early witness report from the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena, or NECAP. Nice. <laughs> that's, that's cute. Uh, two men known only as Alan and Patrick were making a leisurely drive through a small village enjoying the autumn weather. It was around 3 p.m. when they decided to turn around and take a different route. Upon turning, Patrick noticed something near the last house in the village that made him hit the brakes. There in the courtyard of the house were five small figures. Three of them stood in the background huddled together. Another was tracing its hands along the home. The last figure stood facing Patrick and Elaine. Elaine rolled down his passenger side window to get a better look. He reports that his blood ran cold when being faced with the being. Weatherly would tell me, the appearance of the five characters was as strange as their behavior. They were all just over four feet tall. They were dressed alike with long garments that almost reached the ground. These garments were decorated with multicolored spots. The beings themselves had earthly yellow skin and long hair that fell down their backs and to their waist. Their noses were compressed inwards, and their eyes were described as enormous, solid black hemispheres, the size of billiard balls. It seems as though the urban legend, the Black Eyed Children, spread so quickly because of the internet to begin with. So you see where all of these stories are mm -hmm. going on there. But that encounter alone would freak me out that and it makes you think of aliens immediately with the, sure. their skin with and their the, huge with the big eyes with the big eyes that's exactly what i thought of yeah. and when i was looking online there were a couple different websites that said oh well you know there is a natural phenomenon for widening the, the pupil you know but there's also even though it's illegal and there shouldn't be other optional contacts out, offered on the internet you can get pretty much anything on the internet well sure so you can get just like from movie scenes like any vampire movie if, or demonic movie if anyone's watched it right contacts that'll take up your entire eye that are black and those are the only real things that i could see as being option you know offered as an option of someone but not like, in 74 right not in 1974 no but and maybe in the 90s that guy could have had just a really you know, brash encounter, um, Brian Bethel's story. It could have been, you know, with kids that were trying to mess with them and maybe they did have contacts or, you know, anything of that nature. Who knows? Maybe they, the fact that he said, we don't have guns made me think, okay, these kids have guns. Well, sure. <laughs> and they're trying to maybe steal his car. God knows what else. Right. So, but other stories of these demonic creatures, they can be discovered circling all kinds of different websites. Um, one, of course, famous website everybody is aware of is Creepypasta. Mm -hmm. So 
there's a whole bunch of other urban legends that are on there too if anyone's interested in looking that up but there are so many different stories and the thing about creepypasta it's it's almost like wikipedia i'm pretty sure a lot of people can just post whatever they want and it's Mm -hmm. not really believable you can't really back it up with facts someone's stories so you know no one really knows for sure what will truly happen if you let the black-eyed kids into your home but it can't have a good outcome i doubt it (laughs) no um so whether it's some teenager strung out on drugs with dilated pupils or an alien from another world looking for ways to abduct someone for experiments or even a demon looking for an invitation to royally screw up your night why would you take the chance if you see those creepy kids, run away, run far, far away, and just don't let them in your house. No, there's no shot in hell I'm letting any of the yeah. kids in my house. So if you guys have any feedback on that story, make sure you reach out to us on our Facebook page for Haunted Visions and let us know what you thought about it. Yeah, so that's those are the black-eyed kids, and they're weird and creepy and will never be in my house. No, I wouldn't let them in. No, or my car. <laughs> right. So um, so the other... The other uh, legend that we decided to take a look at was one that um that I actually uh I saw there was a museum dedicated to this when I was on my way on vacation to South Carolina and that is the Mothman um and the Mothman was actually made really popular by there was a book and then there was a movie based on the book called the Mothman Prophecies it's a great movie stars Richard Gere and Laura Linney Mm -hmm. um so if you ever get a chance, actually watch it because it's it's really a good movie and it's um, it doesn't stray too far from the book. I'm sure they took some artistic license, but mm-hmm. um, but it's a lot of it is it's the the museum is in West Virginia, I think, but um, and and it's as a part of West Virginia folklore. Uh, the Mothman is a legendary creature that was reportedly seen in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, um, and that's just across the Ohio River. Um, from November 12, 1966 to December 15, 1967. It was reported in the local paper, and soon the national press picked up the reports and the story spread across the country. Um, the book, like I said, the books and the movie have introduced this legend to a wider audience, and there is even an annual Mothman Festival. That's, that's great. <laughs> I want to go to that. There's a statue. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. So the first known sighting um, of the Mothman that's been reported was on November 15th of 1966. There were five men that were out digging a grave. Uh, I'm sorry. (laughs) That's just an interesting time to see something. (laughs) Well, they're out digging a grave. Yeah. uh, And they see a man-like figure fly low from the trees over their heads. Mm. So that's the first thing. They just see this big creepy thing flying over their heads. Uh, a few days later, uh, two young married couples were driving past an old TNT plant near Point Pleasant when their headlights picked up a large flying man with a 10-foot with... This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. Ten foot wings and mm. glowing red eyes off to the side of the road. Nope. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, when it moved towards their car, the couple took the couples took off. I would too. Yeah, right. I know. Uh, moments later, they saw the same creature on a hillside near the road. This time, the creature spread its wings and began to follow the car, which at this point was going well over a hundred miles an hour. Because that was in the days of cool cars. Yeah. Um, they told the deputy sheriff, Millard Halstead. Millard. Millard. Love his heart. <laughs> uh, that it followed them all the way down Highway 62 and right into the Point Pleasant city limits. So that, so, so you got that going on. Yeah. So the same evening, there was a contractor. And this guy, I feel bad, I'm well, this guy, he's, um... He's credible. All these people seem to be credible. Like, they don't have flights of fancy. These are not people that are the right. town crazies that run in and all the time are saying, I see black-eyed children or I've seen Santa right. Claus or whatever. So, Well, there's so many reports of it. It'd be hard to kind of deny it, I think, at that point. You would think. Yeah. So, that same evening, there was a contractor named Newell, mm-hmm. Newell Partridge. Okay. He told the Mason County Sheriff George Johnson that he was watching TV when suddenly... The screen went dark, and weird patterns began to fill the screen. He then heard his dog, Bandit, begin to howl. Hmm. And he heard what he says sounded like a generator winding up. When he went outside, he shone his flashlight where Bandit was pointing. The beam landed on a creature with glowing red eyes like bicycle reflectors. And Bandit took off after the intruder. Newell turned around to go get his gun inside, which... I'd have gone out there in the first place with a gun, but whatever. <laughs> but that's the last he saw of Bandit. No. I know. It, did it eat him? Well, Roger Scarberry, which was one of the members of the group inside the car, yeah. um, said that when they entered the Point Pleasant city limits, they saw the body of a large dog laying on the side of the road. 
Oh, I could have got hit by a car or something. A few too. minutes later, when they were leaving, the dog was gone. Okay, I take back what I said. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, they even stopped the car to look for it, uh, knowing that they'd just seen it moments before. Mm. But they didn't find him. Poor little dude. I know. But, you know, what happened to the body? That's what I was just there. Yeah. And there's no way like, you know, if it was some kind of creatures or critters or wild animal, they would eat it right where it's at. I don't think a lot of things. They're not going to carry it off. Right. right. Or if it was like a coyote or something, they're not going to drag it that far back from the road to eat it. I don't think so. Um, So the next day on November 16th, a press conference was held in the county courthouse. And the couples that saw the creature near the TNT plant began to recount their story. Mm. Deputy Halstead, who'd known the couples all of their lives, took them very seriously. Uh, He said the couples had never made any trouble and he had no reason to doubt their stories. Yeah. Uh, Many people in the press felt the same way. And the press actually coded or um, they coined the name Mothman after a villain on the popular Batman television show. So it's 1966. You're talking Adam West Batman. Right. And there was, there was a, uh, there's a guy on there only, and I only know this because I play Lego Batman and he's on there. (laughs) You play Lego Batman. You're like the coolest mom. (laughs) Yeah, I do play Lego Batman. I love Lego Batman. But anyway, uh, but Mothman's on there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, that's funny. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) What a quinky dink. Yeah. All right. So, so the same night as the, um, the same night as the press conference, um, they had one of the more frightening stories, and this came from a Miss, Mrs. Marcella Bennett. Okay. Um, and evidently it's out there. She's got one of those houses that, um, that it's kind of off. It's kind of off, you know, off the road, off, you know, kind of by itself. Um, there's not that many homes out where she was, but um, one of the houses that's out there by her belongs to a gentleman or belongs to a family, yeah. the Ralph Thomas family. Okay. On November 16th, so that's the same night as the press conference, they spotted right. a funny red light in the sky that moved and hovered around the TNT plant. Uh, it wasn't an airplane, um, said Miss Bennett, and we couldn't figure out what it was. Mrs. Bennett drove down to the Thomas house a few minutes later, got out of the car with her baby. Oh. Yeah, right. I, I would know. not... I'd probably leave my baby in the car. Probably. While I'm standing there. (laughs) Suddenly, a figure stirred near the automobile. Mm -mm. It seemed as though it had been lying down, she later recalled. It rose up slowly from the ground, a big gray thing, bigger than a man with, bigger than a man with terrible glowing eyes. She was so horrified. Now, I'm going to go ahead and assume that this child's in a pumpkin seat. I I hope so. Or in a, you know. Something. Well, She's so horrified that she dropped her girl, her little girl. Uh, she quickly recovered, <sighs> picked up her child, and ran into the house. So she's at the Thomas house, and she runs inside, and and closes. They all close the door. The family locks everyone inside, um, but the hysteria gripped them as the creature shuffled onto the porch and began looking in the windows. Oh my god! So they called the police, but of course, by the time the authorities got there. The creature had gone. Mm-hmm. Um, poor Mrs. Bennett didn't recover from the incident for months and was, in fact, so distraught that she sh- sought medical at- attention to deal with her anxieties. She was tormented by frightening dreams and later told investigators that she believed the creature had visited her house, too. 
She mm. said she could awful, often sorry, hear a keening sound, like Keen. a woman screaming. Oh, so, okay. That makes sense. Uh, near her isolated home at the edge of Point Pleasant. And this is a super small town, too. Isn't yeah. It? Even it's till this day, town. I think it's a tiny place. It's a little bitty place. Yeah. But they have the Mothman Festival, so. That's cool. And Stranger <laughs> Things still took place. Uh, a reporter named Mary Heyer, who was the Point Pleasant correspondent for the Athens newspaper, The Messenger, also wrote extensively about local sightings. Yeah. In fact, after one very active weekend, she was deluged mm. with over 500 phone calls from people who saw strange lights in the skies. Mm. One night in January 1967, so maybe the Mothman went home for Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Uh, January 1967, she was working late in her office in the county courthouse, and a man walked in the door. Okay. He was very short, and he had strange eyes that were covered with thick glasses. He also had long black hair that was cut squarely like a bowl haircut. Hire said he spoke. Bowl haircuts are always a bad scene. (laughs) Uh, Hire said he spoke in a low, halting voice and asked for directions to Welsh, West Virginia. She thought that he uh, had some sort of speech impediment, and for some reason, he scared the bejesus out of her. Go he, with your gut, people. If somebody scares you as soon as you meet them, go with your freaking gut. No. So she said he kept getting closer and closer to me, mm-hmm. and his funny eyes were staring at me almost hypnotically. So she got a little freaked out, and she summoned the newspaper's circulation manager to her office, and together they spoke to the strange little man. She said at one point in the discussion, she answered the telephone when it rang, and she noticed the little man picked up a pin from her desk. He looked at it in amazement as if he'd never seen a pin before. Then he grabbed the pin, laughed loudly, and ran out of the building. He stole her pin? Stole her pin. What a dick. Right. (laughs) Took off out of the building, giggling. Uh, Several weeks later, Hire was crossing the street near her office and saw the same man on the street. He appeared to be startled when he realized that she was watching him, quickly turned away and ran for a large black car that suddenly came around the corner. Mm. He climbed in and it quickly drove away. I'm thinking men in black hair, Brandy. I got a weird feeling. It is a weird thing. Uh, Folklorist Jan Brunford notes that the Mothman has been widely covered in the popular press, uh, some claiming sightings connected to UFOs and others claiming that a military storage site was the Mothman's home. Between 1966 and 1967, reports state that at least 100 people claim to have seen the Mothman with many more afraid to report their sightings. Brunford found elements in common in all the Mothman reports, and much older folktales suggest that something real may have triggered the scares and become woven into existing folklore. Hmm. Others contend that the Mothman's an alien, a supernatural manifestation, or a previously unknown species of animal. In his 1975 book, The Mothman Prophecies, author John Keel claimed that Point Pleasant residents experienced precognitions, UFO sightings, visits from inhuman or threatening men in black, and other phenomena. Mm. Skeptics of all this uh, blame everything uh, from birds to pranks to to explain some of the sightings. That is not a freaking bird. No, well, you wouldn't think so. Well, they, <laughs> and they keep saying it's a crane or it's a heron or it's, you know, one of the, whatever. I, I don't know about you. I've seen cranes before and they don't have bulging red eyes. Mm, yeah. And they're, they don't have 10 foot wings or whatever. Um, 
after Hire's encounter, the sightings had all but stopped. And that's when the story takes a strange, takes strange and tragic turns. Aww. So by now, most of the sightings had come to an end and the Mothman had faded away into the strange twilight zone from which it had come. Mm-hmm. But the story of Point Pleasant has not yet ended. At around 5 in the evening on December 15, 1967, the 700-foot bridge linking Point Pleasant to Ohio suddenly collapsed while filled with rush hour traffic. Dozens of vehicles plunged into the dark waters of the Ohio River and 46 people were killed. Two of those people were never found and the other 44 are buried together in the town cemetery of Gallipolis, Ohio. On that same tragic night, the James... The, sorry, the James Lilly family, who still still lived the, near the TNT plant at the time, counted more than 12 eerie lights that flashed above their house and vanished into the forest. The collapse of the Silver Bridge made headlines all over the country, and Mary Heyer went days without sleep as reporters and television crews from everywhere descended on the town. The local citizens were stunned with horror and disbelief, and the tragedy is still being felt today. So Mary Heyer seems to be a magnet for this kind of stuff because yeah. during Christmas during Christmas week, so after this, a short, dark-skinned man came into her office. He was dressed in a black suit with a black tie, and she said he looked vaguely oriental. Hmm. He had high cheekbones, narrow eyes, and a, uh, an unidentified accent. Uh, he wasn't interested in the bridge disaster, she said, but wanted to know about the local UFO sightings. Heyer was far too busy to talk to him about that, and she handed her file of related press clippings to him instead. Uh, he was not interested in them and insisted on speaking with her. She finally dismissed him from her office. That same night, uh, an identically described man visited the homes of several witnesses in the area who had reported seeing the lights in the sky. He made all of them very uneasy and uncomfortable, and while he claimed to be a reporter from Cambridge, Ohio, he inadvertently admitted that he didn't know where Columbus, Ohio was, even though the two towns are just a few miles apart. Yeah, he's a lying fool. <laughs> well, you know. He's he's an alien or he's an, a man in black, some creepy yeah, government you only, agency You only have so person. much time to, you know, get your facts straight. Yeah. Theories arose that Point Pleasant might have been a portal to an alternate, an alternate realm. And that the Mothman creature, coupled with reports of UFOs, poltergeist, and bizarre light phenomenon in the area was somehow connected to the Silver Bridge tragedy. Mm. Some wondered if the Mothman was responsible for the destruction, but others hypothesized that despite the Mothman's frightening appearance, he might have been sent to warn the town of impending tragedy. Mm. As the legend grew, the questions surrounding the Mothman's intentions remained. And so has public fascination with the mysterious creature. Other tragedies that have been linked to sightings of the Mothman. Uh, start. Let's start with Chernobyl. Uh, workers there and residents of Prepite, which is the town where Chernobyl by Chernobyl, right, uh, claim that they saw something very eerie and similar to the Mothman in the days leading up to the explosion of the react of Reactor Four that turned out to be the world's worst nuclear disaster. These people who claimed to have seen the flying creature uh, also claimed to have been plagued by nightmares and harassed by ins- incessant, threatening phone calls thereafter. F- 
Following the attacks on the World Trade Center on December 11, 2001, rumors emerged that witnesses reported seeing a large crane-like figure in the vicinities of the towers five days prior to the attack. On what? the day of the attack, some claimed to have seen uh, same claimed to have seen a face through the clouds of smoke and debris. That's creepy. Freakishly enough, <laughs> another sighting of the Mothman was noted at the site of of a bridge collapse. Um, at rush hour on August first, two thousand and seven, a bridge on Interstate thirty five in Minneapolis, Minnesota, gave way at its center. 13 people died and nearly 145 were injured when it fell. Reporters uh, trickled in that a Mothman-like figure started appearing near the bridge about a month prior to its collapse. On April 10, 2009, residents of La Junta in the Mexican state of uh, Chihuahua, and I can't even, it's Chihuahua. I always say Chihuahua, and I know it's not right, so Chihuahua. (laughs) Chihuahua. Jesus. You know, it's a weird... Just go with it. Yeah. Um, They began noticing a strange creature in their midst. He was very tall and hairy with two expansive wings and wide bloodshot eyes. Well, yeah, I guess he would stand out. Uh, Just a little bit. One young student even reported that the creature chased him relentlessly. Those Mm. were 15 minutes of maximum despair, said the student, who chose to remain anonymous during the interview. Yeah, he's probably scared that thing's going to find out that he reported it right. and come after him again. Snitches get... Stitches. Britches. Britches? <laughs> it was during this time that the area began to see a rise in swine flu, swine flu cases tied mm. to the ongoing 200, 2009 outbreak. Two other witnesses by the name of, names of Angela Menendez and Viviana Ledzima yeah. uh, claimed to have heard the creature in an apple orchard uh, near a cemetery. Some believers theorize that the creature terrifying the residents of Chihuahua <laughs> was actually, in fact, the Mothman. Mm. Uh, as recently as November 20th, 2016, a man claimed that while driving on State Route 2 in West Virginia, he was able to get some grainy photos of the Mothman in flight. Mm. Those photos ran on a local news station, but as of yet, they have not, not been authenticated, and I saw them, and they are freaky weird really not a bird well the thing is is it it doesn't even like with the skeptics and everybody else out there it doesn't even matter if you put like a legit picture of like an apparition or the mothman or some kind of cryptid or a ufo it could be crystal clear because someone was there at the right time at the right place and people will still say oh it's fake i know but this well because we have photoshop right uh but this is you know clearly taken on a cell phone i mean it was but yeah it's weird looking we'll have to post that to the the Facebook page so people could see them. Messenger of impending doom or just a large bird hanging out? Mm. Uh, whatever the case, I would encourage you to watch the movie The Mothman Prophecies or read the book and draw your own conclusions. Yes. So that is that is all for our block of urban legends. Um, we hope you enjoyed it. And if you have any urban legends or anything that you would like us to um, look into, uh, Rachel, where can they send those requests? You can send that to hauntedvisionspodcast at gmail.com. And when you type Haunted Visions Podcast, don't leave any spaces between. Or you can just message either Brandy and I on Facebook Messenger. We're available. We do that. Mm-hmm. Um, we also would uh, want to mention that we do have a Patreon page to help with the expense of making a podcast. And that is at patreon.com. Yes. Backslash Haunted Visions. 
Um, so whatever, whatever you can give helps us out more than you know. Um, so now we're going to read. We've gotten uh, people are sending us their ghost stories, and we really love that. We go through them, and we appreciate every single one. Um, and so right now, Rachel's going to read one that that she's gotten and was particularly creepy. So this story that was submitted to us was by um, one of our fellow spooky Facebook group listeners. We love them. Yes. Um, Daniel Sweet. So he submitted this story, which I read and I just instantly got cold chills. It's, it's really, really cool. So he says, when I was 18, my family moved to the town of Muskegee, Oklahoma and bought a very old house with an amazing history that we didn't know at the time of the purchase. The house had a separate servant's quarters where my girlfriend and I lived. Almost instantly, my two young stepbrothers started acting differently. Both of them were afraid to go to bed, even afraid to walk from room to room unoccupied, and this was never a problem before moving into the house. We all just chalked this up to being a new place. As time passed, neither one of the boys seemed to get more comfortable with the house. And then, a few, and then after a few months, one night while watching TV in the living room, my dad and my stepmom looked up to see a man holding an old-timey doctor's bag walking into their master bedroom. Nope. Yeah. Previous to this, my dad had never told me any ghost stories or ever even seemed to have believed in them. But when he told us of the sighting, he seemed sure of what he saw. Nothing unusual had happened for about six weeks until my dad was walking down the same hallway that the previous sighting was in when he noticed a figure at the end of the hall. At first, he thought it was one of the young boys standing by the back door. As he approached, though, the figure turned out to be a young girl, and he stared as she quickly disappeared. Bewildered by the strange experiences in the new home, Pop sought out answers in the town's historical society. He learned of a prominent doctor, Dr. F.B. Fite, or Fite, I guess that's however that is pronounced. I'll go with Fite. Fite. That sounds better. Who owned two of the city's first houses. One he lived in and now is on the historical registry and one he used as his doctor's office, which was our house. It is rumored in the early 1900s men could be seen being hauled in wheelbarrows to doctor fights and many casualties of the ongoing American Indian War were lost and they lost their lives inside the house. Also, in the years of 1924 and 1926, each experienced large tornadoes with a total of nine deaths and 67 injuries. And he says... Dr. Fight was the doctor and the surgeon for the city and saw many of its patients. So there's probably right. a ton of people that lost their lives inside the walls of that house. So that's a really good story. Thanks, Daniel. That's creepy. I'm thank glad you survived, though. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Daniel. Sweet. Thank you very much. Yes. If any of you would like to join our podcast page, um, Rachel's really good about updating it. And we have a lot of great people on there. And it's at Haunted Vision. It's the Haunted Vision podcast or Haunted Visions. You can just search for Haunted yeah. Visions. It should pop up. It'll have our little emblem on there, our cover art. It's, there you go. You can search for that. Yep. And so join our Facebook page. Yep. Um, we really appreciate that kind of stuff. We enjoy the interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, Rachel, you got any final thoughts you want to share? No, just sleep tight. Don't let the ghosties bite. Bye-bye, everyone. Thank you very much for listening. See ya.